everybody, and welcome to another episode of Provoke the Podcast. It takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I am your host, Brian Wilder, and we have a packed studio today. Mm. Oh my goodness. Everybody go around the room and kind of introduce yourselves. Hey, I am Kelsey Shalou. Hi, I'm Sam Hunter. I'm the copywriting intern. Jordan Rose, digital strategist. All right. And on this episode, this is kind of a special episode for a couple reasons. Um, this is, for, first of all, this is uh, Sam's last day at Evoke. Wah, wah. Yeah. yeah, she's been a fantastic asset to us this past Aww. semester. And uh, we uh, look forward to her doing big things in the advertising industry or, or elsewhere. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Second, uh, because we didn't have an episode last week, this is going to be a, a longer one, and uh, we kind of changed up the uh, the premise a little bit. Some of our colleagues are very mic shy, <laughs> so to accommodate them, I, I gave everybody the opportunity to kind of for the last week or so to kind of give us your questions, give us any kind of marketing and and, and advertising industry related questions that we can kind of like in a panel style just roundtable kind of a format just answer to the best of our abilities and hopefully give the people out there outside of our studio you know a little more insight as to how we think as an agency yeah 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 all right oh before I, before i go into that we are we are as always recording in the uh, evoke advertising studios here in orlando florida um stop by uh 1485 international parkway um so yeah we're just going to we're going to just jump right into it you guys good? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So kind of just backtracking a little bit, um, I think a lot of people have had their discussions about Cyber Monday and Black Friday. Um, just kind of like what what did you see out there in the advertising world that kind of was just like a win for kind of that that those, those sales days? I don't know if it was so much of a, of a win, mm-hmm. but um, a definitely a, a loser was my inbox for my personal <laughs> email starting promptly at 6 a.m. on Friday morning. Um, just got got every email you could ever imagine uh-huh. sent to me with every witty headline you could ever imagine to my get fault, me to open the thing. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if I'm looking at Cyber Monday compared to to Black Friday, I, I think I think Cyber Monday is, is is going to be the most successful one over Black Friday, and just in in my experience, you know, I, I just think people are, you know, especially the older generations are getting more comfortable behind the computer. Um, okay. Not a lot of people want to go out and you know do deal with that hustle, deal with that crowd, mm-hmm. that mob mentality of physically going to like a brick and mortar location. Um, and I, I know that we'll we can we'll get into it later with some of this stuff, but. Um, you know the the fulfillment side of a lot of these um, you know companies now when you order online is pretty impeccable. Absolutely, um, and it's got to be. So you know, in, in my opinion, I think you know Cyber Monday um, killed it this year. I think more companies you know kind of went that vein, um, and I think a lot of people are getting scared of actually leaving their home on Black Friday, <laughs> as they rightly should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, so is it really still that kind of like? crazy mobbish mentality out there there's still fight compilation videos from black yeah. friday 2017 wow. i i wondered that as well because i was thinking with the emergence of cyber monday i was thinking surely we've we're getting past this right uh-huh. no i <laughs> got on facebook saturday and first thing that popped up on my news feed was someone fighting at walmart so okay. it still very much exists enough Fantastic. to make it a compilation shout out, shout out to walmart uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, I did see on my Instagram newsfeed hashtag opt inside the mall. 
Ooh. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, Ooh. panic induced. But I came from a friend's home. I was like, we might need to sit down and have a little conversation here. Uh-huh. Um, but if you look at numbers, uh, Amazon Cyber Monday was the biggest sales day that they have ever had okay. in the history of Amazon. Um, so that definitely supports what Jordan was saying behind a win. Um, and something that I also thought was kind of interesting because um, the day after you have Black Friday, then Cyber Monday, you have like Small Business Monday. Uh, and mm-hmm. I saw a lot of stuff um just kind of going off of even last or the last episode that we did of stuff in um, you know weeklies and you see these kinds of things. Amazon also reported that it was the largest number of sales for small businesses selling their products online and in an online space. So I thought that that was kind of interesting too because the name Amazon is mm-hmm. giving these smaller guys um, a little bit more weight. Yeah, I, keep, I I always forget that like you can sell your yeah. wares through Amazon, mm-hmm. almost like like uh, eBay yeah. used yep. to do for a long time. That's I think they still do. Um, so yeah, I didn't even think that 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 just having that Amazon name mm-hmm. helps the other yeah, guys they, for sure. Um, something interesting too, going to numbers and stuff, is that Black even on Black Friday though it's not Cyber Monday, um, almost half of sales on Black Friday were done on a mobile phone or even online, even though it wasn't tagged as Cyber Monday. It was mm-hmm. still happening on Black Friday, but still certain companies and brands had that, you know, sale idea going. So even on Black Friday, the idea of Cyber Monday was still pulling yeah. um, some people away. So I think that Jordan summed that one up. Um, well, thanks, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Okay, I'm done. See you guys. <laughs> well, we got that out of the way. Black Friday's done. I hope everybody got their Xboxes and their mm-hmm. iPads that they always wanted. Um, kind of switch gears here a little bit. Another question that we got from the agency um, as far as culture and kind of process and infrastructure concerned, um, what are the pros and cons, in y'all's opinions, of working at a big shop, a big agency, versus a smaller one? So I'm guessing maybe something that's like t- 10 to 15 yep. employees or less versus a large shop. Yeah, and I've um, I've actually had, you know, been had the awesome opportunity to work at Agencies both very large and very small. Mm-hmm. Um, agency I came from in Oklahoma City, the first one I worked at was 13 people. Okay. Um, and then I went from you know working there for four years to an agency that had over 125 people. Oh wow. Um, so definitely you know big big culture change. And one of the things I would say you know the, the biggest difference is that a smaller shop. Um, you wear a lot more hats, um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, um, like tons of hats. So, you know, one day I could be a copywriter. The other mm-hmm. day I'm, you know, making website edits. The other day, you know, I'm, I'm looking at creative, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, for a second opinion, that kind of stuff. So, you know, definitely a little bit more hands-on with the smaller shops. Um, you definitely get kind of exposed to different things and get to kind of figure out, you know, what you're into and, you know, maybe, you know, learning things that you, you never even thought about. Um, whereas, you know, at a bigger agency, um, you know, I, I, you're a little bit more structured. You have one job. Everybody has one job. Everybody has one person you report to. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't, you know, mix in with the other departments unless it's like, you know, a company party or it's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Beer Friday or whatever, or you know, yeah, yeah, the podcast or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so um, pros and cons, you know, I, I think it, it just kind of fits your personality. It's like, you know, if you want to you want to a little bit more freedom free range on what you're doing probably a smaller agency is the way to go yeah. if you're looking for more structure and you like that nine to five and you like having one job and doing it and doing it you know every day and owning that then mm-hmm. probably a bigger agency is uh, a better way to go however i will say that you know at most big agencies um, they're pretty open if you want to 
you know, transcend different departments. If you're interested in other things, they're usually willing to make that um, investment to help you, you know, learn, continue your education or help make you a leap into a different mm-hmm. department. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while I intern here, I work at a small shop um, downtown Orlando where I'm one of four people. Mm-hmm. So it's a, and not to point out the obvious, but there's a definite uh, distance in if your absence, if you have to take some time off when you're 25 percent of the team versus when you're one percent of the team, mm-hmm. it's felt a lot more. It's felt a lot more. Yeah. Um, as a student, I can only work there one day a week with my schedule, and so w- the productivity that can get done with three people versus a 33 percent increase when I'm there yeah. um, is different from when I'm here and I'm the 15th person in creative mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um just again a semi-obvious point but a definite thing that working on both realms at the same time i've noticed see i like i i prefer smaller shops just because you have an opportunity to kind of and by smaller in my mind i'm thinking maybe less than 40 people right which mm-hmm. for people that don't know evoke we got about yeah we've got about 30 35 so. mm-hmm. 40 yeah. somewhere in between there yeah, so I mean, not not like bragging on Evoke or anything like that. You know, it's the it's it's kind of the perfect size yeah. mm-hmm. because it's it's large enough to where you feel like you're working for a uh, a substantial agency, yeah. but still small enough to where you can say you can see somebody walk yeah, by and know who so. they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a and we Kelsey and I we talk about this a lot and it's a theme for a lot of the episodes mm-hmm. that we've done so far where it's about you know the people. Oh yeah. You know, knowing the people and having a connection with the people that you work with tends to make your creative stronger make yeah. your 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 interpersonal relationship stronger with other yeah. departments so um like yeah that's why i prefer small ones but i can see where why a person wouldn't gravitate towards something like that mm-hmm. too so i think some maybe jordan or brian can answer this based upon experience but um i feel like if you had a smaller shop meaning that there were less people on the team that means you probably have a um smaller amount of different accounts or clients that you run so does that help you get more into that client and have more of a specialization um with those specific clients or do you feel like that is just something that comes from um the worker and what you're able to i guess invest yeah and and that's that's a great point um because you know definitely with the smaller shops i think you know clients feel like they're more hands-on um smaller agencies i I feel like they're more nimble Mm -hmm. um, they're more personable to your brand and you know um i I do know that you know the the companies that we worked with at the the smaller 13-man shop you know every one of them knew all of our names like all the clients like were you know because we would go to all the meetings yeah. and everything. So, because literally the whole team was working on their accounts. <laughs> Everyone so. in the van, let's go over um, to the <laughs> you know, and, and, and clients really like that because, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they, they feel like they're really getting the service, they're really getting the value out of it. Whereas, you know, the larger agencies, if, if you know, some clients feel like, oh, well, maybe, you know, my account's not big enough for your agency, you know, and if there's like a lot of turnover and that kind of stuff and they have new account people and they just, you know, they're just talking to the account manager, they don't really know who's working on some of the day-to-day stuff, it could come off as, you know, being a little bit more, you know, isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard to get through. Yeah, and I think being a smaller operation, the, the, one of the downsides of that is that you're probably less likely, and this is just an inference, less likely to attract those larger accounts who are exactly. expecting a 40, exactly. 50, 60 person team to work on their account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's another thing to be mindful of. Yeah. Um, and I guess kind of moving, like still staying in that same realm, uh, we had a question 
do you see more agencies trending to a virtual shop and, and, and fewer brick and mortars? Like, if so, what are the pros and cons of that? You know, I feel like, um, you know, especially with the millennial audience and, and those, you know, people our age or, you know, millennials who are, who are wanting to start like an agency or something mm-hmm. are more, you know, infatuated with the idea of like a virtual shop because that way you can like bring in talent from, you know, all these other places. Um, a little bit easier to manage. You don't have the overhead, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, like, when you think about creating an agency, um, I, I know, like, from a younger, you know, standpoint, the virtual appeal um, has a lot to it. Mm-hmm. However, um, you know, if clients want to work with an agency, if there isn't an agency, yeah. a physical agency, yeah. then there's really nothing to sell. And I think, you know, having a brick and mortar and having agency and people like who come in, you know, every day mm-hmm. um, has its own allure to it. Cause I think that's, you know, clients like to come in. They like to tour the something agency. They like to see, they yeah, they like, you know, it's something, you know, it's, it's your brand. It's yeah. your culture there with that, with a virtual agency, there's really no culture. There's really no, you know, you really can't have an agency without an agency. If that For makes sure. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a freelancer before I started, before I really dove into the agency life. And so, my my office was a virtual office. Mm. Like as long as I had a solid Wi-Fi connection, I you 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 could work with me. Yeah. And so I think it was it was definitely a big culture shock to to finally start moving into like the brick and mortar agency space mm-hmm. because I liked being able to kind of work pantsless, you know. And maybe that might be a new policy that Evoke, you know puts in. We'll see. We'll talk to Tanya. We'll All work right, it Tanya. out. Um, but I mean, it's just the, the, the that idea of like going back to what you said, Jordan. Is just the, like it's I, I don't. It might be a millennial kind of thought process of like being more portable, being yeah. more mobile and not having to feel like the, the, that nine to five grind that like mom and dad and our grandparents did, you know, so, so it's, it's definitely like a cultural shift. Yeah. And definitely for like for some companies, you know, you know that we've worked with that I've worked with before and, and other things is like, you know, they really enjoy coming to the agency mm-hmm. to like have mm-hmm. meetings like for them. It's like, you know, getting out of the office is like a field trip. Yeah. You mm-hmm. come hang out in this like cool creative space and you know it kind of opens them up too to new ideas to contribute to me and you know kind of makes them feel better so i don't know like i like i personally like the the brick and mortar aspect there i think there's more pros to that Mm -hmm. and there's some pretty dope out office spaces out there too that that are always worth experiencing so um moving on uh, to be competitive, do you feel agencies are sacrificing quality and creativity by commoditizing the creative process by selling blocks of time and focusing on speed and hours? Hmm. I feel like either like, either our CEO or our creative director. Yeah, this is a this is a cre- tricky question. It's a trap. We don't know who asked it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give like the the employee answer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> The right, the, the correct pol- there employee, go. the the politically correct employee answer is, uh, you know, it doesn't matter about my blocks of time. I'm going to do what it takes to get the job done yeah. and to make sure everyone's happy. Signed, Jordan Rose. <laughs> is Larry listening? <laughs> That's going in your LinkedIn oh, bio right man. now. That was that was such a Shutterstock response. <laughs> That's great. Um, I mean, I think what he is, you know, I know he's kind of being silly, but also being serious is that, and you you've even said it before. Um, Brian, is that mm-hmm. it is our job to pump out the best work that we can, high yeah. quality work, yeah. um, with the time restraints of thinking about what other people within our agency need to accomplish, but also what does 
the business from outside of the advertising standpoint yeah. to accomplish in their own business plan. Um, so while sometimes I think people in the agency can feel like, wow, I could maybe be able to do something a little bit more um, wow if I ha- didn't have this time constraint. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, it is our job to be able to deliver the best work that we can within the parameters of our own business and also our clients, um, taking into consideration our clients' business. Yeah. Um, but I mean, kind of a tricky. Yeah, it's it's tricky, but I think you also kind of have to step back and 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 see how your agency operates, because mm-hmm. not no two agencies are the same. Right. There are some who are, are who are strictly creative agencies. There mm-hmm. are some who are production houses, full fledged production houses. Yeah. There are people who just pump out the ideas, and then they have a huge network of vendors and 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 outside people that they call on for photography, for videography, for website development. Mm-hmm. So it really just. I think you really have to kind of reassess your relationships in-house and who, what kind of like what kind of resources you have to pull from in-house and see if you can find a balance between the inside and the outside resources mm-hmm. yeah. that you can tap. To give a bit of a dissenting opinion, I mean, here's my last day. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that it sacrifices quality and creativity, but it may be something that forces a little bit of employee hard feelings deep down if they have to then like you said we're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done mm-hmm. and if that means taking that work and taking it off the clock for sure and bringing it into your personal life mm-hmm. and then just meshing work in personal life further um if the time restraint is too low mm-hmm. that's for sure something that has to be considered but like you said if you can pool the resources that you have and if you look at the work you're doing you say well we're operating great under the system. We're highly productive, and this is fantastic. Then, yeah, by all means, keep doing what you're it's doing. It's a great tangible way to do what but, you gotta do. But that's very rare, in my opinion, <laughs> that 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 combination comes about. And so, I, yeah, I get, I, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's like the idea that you know when the when the lines start to blur, yep. it yeah. tends to to affect not only how you feel about the agency, but the work you're putting out. Yeah. Does and that's it really, the most important thing. Yeah. Does it really reduce the amount of time spent on a project or does it just that, take that time somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, we got, we got you know, guys in the corner offices that are the operations guys that, you know, profitability is king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, whereas you know, we want to do the best we can given the time we have, but we also have to be, you know, aware of, you know, we don't want to drown in a project um, and just spend too long on it, you know, more than, Absolutely. So it's a balance. All about balance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess uh, there's another question that's kind of like, kind of talks about just the the, the future of advertising and how campaigns work. Um, Big campaigns seem like a a thing of the past or they're happening less and less. Are companies uh, abandoning ideas and campaigns faster than they used to? Or has delivery become more important than the message? Man, this is this is actually this is probably my favorite question. On this whole thing. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I think I think you know in today's world, um, you know when we when we come up with marketing plans, you know we're you know back in the day they used to look at you know like an annual plan. Here's what we're going to do for the year, and mm-hmm. we're going to do it, and we're going to do it these places, you know, for the whole year. Um, now you know it's with the the emergence of digital um, and all all that stuff happening so quickly. I mean, we we look at all of our media plans on the digital side, like in quarterly, mm-hmm. even weekly, mm-hmm. monthly basis, uh, just because information and, and, and conditions change so quickly, we got to be able to, Absolutely. to react. So, you know, 
getting into an annual commitment can be dangerous because then, you know, if you get locked into contracts that you can't get out of, if some, you know, market condition happens, you know, six months into your plan, what are you going to do? For sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we kind of look at things now more kind of in, in chunks and mm -hmm. seasonality um, and try not to commit to, you know, things we don't have to that we can't like really foresee. So, you know, we try to keep it. I, I like the quarterly aspect. Um, I think that does that does well for kind of what we've been doing here at Evoke, but um, that's kind of just where I've seen it shift. Um, but you can still have big campaigns within mm -hmm. your plans. You yeah, just, for sure. Just, you know, make them more bite-sized, you know, and put them on different tactics that are, you know, going on. So, you know, locking into the big the big agency pitch, John, you know, Don Draper, here's what we're going to do, and here's the image, and just go with it. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a little bit more to that now. I think there's, like, you got to take that and dissect it and use certain parts at certain times. Mm. Um, I, if you take what Jordan just said and apply it to the social realm, that's also yeah. very much true because social is moving so fast. Yeah. Um, so as far as, like, promotions go or... Um, on social, a lot of it has to do with uh, reliance upon other people. And whether that's something within building a promotion out with an influencer or with um, another brand, yeah. it requires their commitment as well. So it's definitely not something that, you know, you can sit out and be like, okay, for in the next 12 months, we're going to do this. It is very much um, month to month, if not week to week with mm -hmm. certain clients um, as far as social goes, because content is being updated um and increasing more and more every time I blink my eyes. Yeah, and I like that because it, it's it's definitely a more agile environment. Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. have to be on the ball like every like from week to week. Yeah, and you can have mm -hmm. a plan and like just this is from things that are happening now, but like you yeah. can have a plan and need like another person to be like, yeah, this sounds perfect. Mm -hmm. And you can have gone through so many people and written out all these things, and they're like. Mm. Well, I, this needs to, da, 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 and they come in with their own side. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I gotta rework yeah, the whole completely. thing. So it's definitely. Um, Delivery, you know, has delivery become more important than message? Um, I think because stuff is so much on digital and there is so much, it definitely uh, is swinging over to that side. Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess the, the, the end all is big campaigns, the sentiment is still there, mm -hmm. but it just looks a lot different than those year-long mm. kind of just arduous yep. mm -hmm. processes and that people are used to in advertising. Something that I'd like to add, too, is that since there is so much content being pushed now, if you had the same big idea campaign and you ran it for multiple months, people would get so sick of seeing the same thing. Do mm -hmm. we as a consumer want big yeah, campaigns anymore? Blast, blast it on social. If I saw the same thing over and over again, yeah. um, just like in maybe different ways or look differently, I'd be like, okay, um, cool. Like I got that. I think that the impression yeah. is made a lot more quicker than it used to be. Cool. All right, jumping into kind of ad tech and digital marketing, uh, we had a question, is technology outpacing practical execution? There are so many technical advances in media and entertainment. Do you feel agencies are falling behind by focusing more on traditional media sources? I would say no. Um, I mean, there's every agency, I think, has such a hand on the, or hand on, finger on the pulse mm -hmm. of you have to of what's going on in the world and we are in the digital age um i think you'd be hard pressed to find a successful agency nowadays that is putting substantially more time and resources into traditional a la magazine print outdoor radio yeah. than digital hmm. um just because why would you go where the money isn't sending you 
Um, there's so okay. much. Okay, yeah. okay. That's Sam the intern yeah, right drop there. Drop some knowledge. Woo. Yeah, not I'm so, so fast, Sam. No. So I mean, I... Disclaimer, I work in radio, and I work in a traditional form of media. Um, and it's incredibly valuable. I will pitch to anyone why you should advertise in radio, because millions upon millions of people still listen to it. Um, but to say that agencies are falling behind by focusing on traditional media, I think is a, a problem that I don't think that we have. No, I agree. I, we're not, we're not falling behind. Um, it comes out, you know, it just depends on, you know, who, who the client is and, and what the goal is for what we're trying to achieve. Cause yeah. you know, you know, traditional is still very relevant yeah. in the, the grand scheme of branding and making your brand stand out. However, you know, what we do run into is, you know, people will, um, you know, they'll invest in these things like radio, outdoor, um, television and stuff like that. And then they'll come back to us and be like, well, we don't know what we're getting out of it. What do we do? Gotcha. And so that's when, you know, people kind of, you know, pull up the red flag and everyone freaks out. Then you make this huge pivot over to digital where mm-hmm. you can, you know, put conversion tracking on the website, mm-hmm. put vanity numbers all over everything, tie it to a software system that we can, you know, crank out this ROI and figure out exactly what we're getting for investment. So I think it's, a, you know, agencies have to be smart and, and to know like when to balance that out and when yeah. to use, you know, traditional versus digital because, you know, digital, you know, it's always, you know, it's always advancing. There's always new things, mm-hmm. but traditional is always going to be there, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so there is a, going to always be a place for it. So I think agencies just need to realize um, the mix that needs to be used for mm-hmm. whoever the client is. And I think a good example of where you can see like that kind of knee jerk reaction fail is in the publishing industry mm-hmm. and, and with news. Um, I think BuzzFeed just let go of They like just a laid off a bunch. Yeah. Bunch of people. Bunch of BuzzFeed, people. and I think ESPN did too. I know GQ dropped some people. Well, don't they pay Hulk Hogan for that, <laughs> that supplement or something? Oh, jeez. That'll be in another episode. <laughs> um, but just because, because they made that 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 mass pivot to video yeah. kind of thing because mm-hmm. they thought that, you know, video's going to be this thing. Everybody's watching Tasty videos 24-7. <laughs> we got to do our videos like Tasty even if we're not making food. You know, <laughs> everything needs to have an overhead shot right now. Yes. Where are people? So, like, just just an example of uh, that being an example of, you know, making that knee-jerk reaction and how it just doesn't pay off because not everybody consumes media in the mediums that are just the here and now. Like, mm-hmm. there's, still, there's still a space for it. Like, like um, Sam was saying, traditional r- traditional radio. But I think people have this mindset of like that box on a on a uh, a, a shelf like that your grandparents would no. all sit around and listen mm-hmm. to. Nope. Like radio is radio could be Pandora. Yep. Radio could be um, oh what was that one that I used to listen to all the time? I can't remember right now. <laughs> that but, really um, awesome one that. I... But you know, just, you know, just like streaming streaming services like that. They, yeah. they play radio style playlists. This like, that's, podcast. This, this podcast. podcast. Very yeah. well, absolutely. Yeah. I always relate it to when people I say I work in radio and people are like, oh, you work in radio, you're going to have a job in five years. I'm like, mm-hmm. first, calm down. <laughs> I, I kind of relate it to outdoor, right? I relate it to billboards. Billboards are not the current sexy, uh, innovative thing, but do you drive on the interstate? Yeah. Do you see billboards every day of your life? Mm-hmm. Millions of people still listen to the radio every day, and it's an important part of the system, even if it's not the hot thing that all the kids are into right now. Um, one perspective I would like to throw onto this topic, and it kind of goes outside of the agency, but is still very much the future of who might be working in agencies. Yeah. Um, 
in school, I constantly find myself sitting in class wondering why I'm not learning about social, why I'm not learning about mm. SEO, mm. why I'm not learning about digital, and I am learning about direct mail. Um, <laughs> and that's like real, okay. real life. Okay. So even though that's the question was within agency, um, I think schools, advertising schools or um, communication schools yeah. definitely need to like pick up some new textbooks um, because <laughs> write some new textbooks yeah well first let's write some new ones um which i guess he, we will yeah. you know will eventually be those kinds of people to be doing that or people you know in our age group but i do find myself sitting in class learning about direct mail and i'm just like i really i, I should be what learning about don't like those penny saver mailers I really just like them. um i like them. but like let's learn about email marketing and let's learn about I'd love to take a class on SEO instead of yeah. just talking about it really quickly in an ad media planning class. Yeah. Um, so I hope that in the next couple of years uh, we see schools um, do better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ditching, ditching on school. Yeah. I love it, but we should, we should move with it. Um, and I find that. I find that lacking. Yeah. Okay. Well, um... Not that any of you guys are going to go, right, like... A letter to the university and get that changed. I just wanted to voice my opinion. <laughs> well, Ellen, and your opinion is much appreciated. Um, so I, I guess talking about a not-so-traditional form of, of digital media, artificial intelligence, That's it's gaining that. momentum in the field of advertising. Will we eventually be replaced by robots? Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone seen Ex Machina? Oh, I mm. haven't, no. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Sorry. Is that the George Clooney one? No. No. Watch X Machine anyway. It's, it's AI. It's a cool, cool movie. Um, pretty sure it's on Netflix. Hobo Go. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So, so especially in the digital realm, um, in, in Google advertising, search engine um, type advertising, um, Google has actually rolled out um, a, a, a platform that's all about machine learning, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty much taking the you know the, the dashboards within Google, and you can set like automated bid structures to like automatically adjust, you know, for you. So you can like set rules and it can do all that stuff for you. So, yeah. I mean, we, we are definitely in the thick of it um, as far as, you know, AI definitely is gaining momentum. That is true. But being replaced by robots, I will just say this for right now, like someone's got to program the robots. Yeah. So until the robots can learn to program other robots, I think we're okay. So, yeah. so, you know, as long as I still have, you know, my wit about me to actually be able to go in and program some of this, um, you know, machine type learning in the digital space myself, I feel mm-hmm. safe with my job. Yeah. People get really freaked out about robots, but they're just start their tool. In my opinion, uh, it, like they're a tool. There's something that Jordan will be able to use to maybe make tasks more efficient or quicker or allow this robot, this machine, to spend more time thinking about something that uh, he can be spending on maybe more manpower. Um, and we've talked about this before on we the have. pod. Yes, we have. And uh, you can comment on it, but I, I, I've continued to think about what Brian has said about this, and he basically said that... Um, a machine might be able to read me out all this data. And instead of Brian spending, you know, three hours researching a client and mm-hmm. everything that they've done or published from 2002 to 2017, mm-hmm. um, this machine will be able to spit it out, write a report and say, hey, this is what you need to know in order to move forward with your creative. Um, and I have kept thinking about that because that is like the ultimate assistant. Yeah, um, like, absolutely. These are the things that I need to know about. Help me out with it so I can do the 
true job of mine, and that is create copy and create creative for this um, client. And it doesn't have to just be copywriters. I think it could be any kind of person within an agency um, within the ad industry or with you know outside of it. Um, but I think, yeah, until they're programming themselves, um, they should be looked at as a tool and as like a, a mechanical assistant to help us. Yeah, and I just take solace in the, the potential of being able to own my own pet robot <laughs> in whatever form that may come in. That pet robot's going to kill you. Like, I hate to burst your bubble, but I fully believe the apocalypse will be rendered to us by the robots we create. Snapchat face filters are a system by the U.S. government to track our faces. And when I was a kid, I would haul the firewood uphill both ways in the snow. Um no, I mean... <laughs> She's just letting it all go. <laughs> there's going to be... We're going to continue to invest in AI technology as long as it continues to do fantastic, wonderful things yeah. and has a positive impact on us. The second we stop losing our... Or start losing our jobs because of it, I assume that we will probably we're stop programming it. shut it down it. or shut it all down. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like big guys like Google will, would... And you have more knowledge on that, but like I don't feel like someone like Google would ever put themselves or our us just as humans in a position where we're gonna take all of your jobs and just screw you. You're yeah. gonna have to figure it out. Yeah, no, I mean, because I mean, you know, we we place a lot of media on Google advertising, but we gotta we gotta sell it. Yeah, clients. yeah. Like we have to physically get client buy-in to do that. I don't think a machine can really do that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we have to you know, get people to pay us money so we can place that media on Google. So, mm. you know, they're very much going to be dependent of us. Um, let me give you the plot to Ex Machina. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. Good. So it, it's a guy. There's a, okay, so this guy, uh, he owns a social network. Yeah. He's very wealthy. Um, but he hasn't, like, been at his company in a long time. And there's, like, within the company, there is a, there's a contest. And it's, like, for, like, it's, like, a coding, mm-hmm. like, a coder's mm-hmm. contest. They're trying to find like you know the smartest person like at their company, and so this young kid wins the contest, and he wins this trip, and he gets like flown all the way to like some island out in the middle of nowhere, like mm-hmm. over by the Philippines somewhere. And the guy that owns the social network is living in this really crazy like house on this island, but he's been like developing, trying to develop the like most sophisticated AI like robot known to man. And the kid that wins this contest, like, he gets to be the the test dummy for this AI. So he gets to, like, hang out with the robot and, like, and ask it, it questions and, like, interact with it. And the guy from the social media network, he's just, you know, he's creepy. But he, like, you know, he observes them from, like, a room yeah. that's on the other side of the house and, like, takes notes. And he's got cameras all over the house and it's really creepy. <laughs> We're not sponsored by Ex Machina, awesome. but... It's like vaguely the plot to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is, but not... You gotta watch this movie. The kid is a small, fat <laughs> Austrian boy. <laughs> I'll report back No on one Monday. turns purple and flies <laughs> No one eats blueberries and flies into a fan. Oh, man. So I guess to kind of round out this section, uh, we did have a question from our, I, I, I know this is from our, our SEO manager. Um, Facebook and Google now control over a fifth of the total global ad spend. Do you see this trend continuing indefinitely or is there a saturation point where other advertisers are going to start stepping and slowing down this incredible growth? I have no answer for this until we retain or lose net neutrality. 
Ooh, and mm-hmm. we see if mm. suddenly Facebook is the only website we are all willing to budget into our lives. Oh man! Um, I, will, I will say this, you know, from for me on the on the on the digital side, and I sit across from our SEO guy. Um, you know, Google and Facebook. I see this trend continuing um, right now. Obviously, um, you know, especially with search engine marketing. I always go back to this, but I mean, Google Google owns, oh, gosh, like eighty eight percent. Plus now, I don't know, the number changes all the time of just search volume Mm -hmm. and like so much so to like, you know, I have no problem in meetings telling clients like, you know, we only focus on Google Mm -hmm. because of this, Mm -hmm. because there's so much of it. Now, if you're, you know, over 50 years old and your dad just bought a new phone and doesn't know how to change the browser from Bing to Google Mm -hmm. and we're going after, you know, your dad's market, then we'll consider, you know, placing Bing Mm -hmm. ads, which are a lot cheaper. But I mean, if you want to move the needle, it's you got to play with either of these two guys, Facebook or Google, mm. from now until you know the foreseeable future. the end of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and looking at it from not a ad inside ad, but as a consumer, people trust both Google and Facebook for information. Um, so you know, just like Jordan just said, that's where people are going. Um, so that's where the most weight is kind of held. So. So is it trust or is it just a matter of circumstance? I think it's trust. Think about how like you casually will say, just like, let me Google it and then I'll give Mm -hmm. you back an answer. So people are um, putting in the trust that Google is going to get them the best results. And we go to Google.com over Bing.com or Yahoo.com because this trust has been being built over, you know, a long okay. period of time. When, when your company name becomes a verb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yep. trust it. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's, it's safe to say that there's some, some, some brand confidence there. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, kind of rounding out our our panel, uh, just the idea of breaking into the business. Uh, one person had a question of, do I have to intern to get into the industry? Um, so having... St- been, this is my first internship um, was at Evoke, and it was last summer or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, there's no way that I would know and have learned and ex- experienced things through if that never happened and if you just tried to break into somewhere. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that is the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you, like going to school, and I know that's kind of the second question. Mm-hmm. Um is the only way to do it, but the experience of not just like paper experience of like, oh, I did this thing and this was the start date and this was the end date, but literal, tangible um, projects that you've gotten to work on, things that you've worked really hard on and then someone come up and say, yeah, just kidding, we don't need that anymore. Um, All of those types of things build your character, which I think ultimately helps you um, not only live in this specific industry, but also flourish in this industry. so, yes or no, do you have to intern to get into this industry? I, I don't think that that's a question, but um, is it going to help you? Ob- yeah, no doubt, obviously, I think, in my opinion. But, again, this is bi- – I only am be- I only have that one mm-hmm. experience, so I'm able to support it. Um, well, Sam, did you feel like this kind of, like, like undying need to intern when you were kind of shopping around for, for advertising opportunities? I did, but that's just because I'm a firstborn child type A overachiever that okay. just has an overwhelming <laughs> that's, need that's, to like professionally develop myself. Recognize me. Yes, all, about, all about the gold stars. Yes, all about my LinkedIn profile. Um, I mean, the answer to the question, do I have to intern to get into the industry? The short answer is no, right? Like there are people 
that do it and they have roundabout ways of getting in. Uh, I don't think I have anything profound to add on to what Kelsey said. Um, it is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did just because I had the overwhelming need to in turn, not past my, just myself, um, have felt the overwhelming need because I see advertising as it's simultaneously an industry that we're all hyper familiar with, mm-hmm. but until you work in it, you are not. Um, we are surrounded by it every day, and I grew up my whole life seeing advertisements every day since I was seeing a billboard being taken home from the hospital. But mm-hmm. um, it, I didn't feel that just graduating with, and I'll graduate with a degree in just based communications yeah. um, with some supplementary studies in like digital media and mass comm. Um, I didn't feel like that was going to be enough just to enter the industry. I felt that I needed to experience it, not only to know if it's somewhere I wanted to be, um, but to know what went into it more than what was in my textbook, which mm-hmm. as we've discussed, doesn't even include most of the time social SEO, email marketing, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah for, for me, it was, it was a, it was a, I stumbled into the industry. Um, I was actually, when I was my internship, I was entering at a commercial real estate company. Um, <laughs> doing some work with my father and I just, I, I just knew real estate probably wasn't for me. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about, I was a semester away from getting out of college and I was at a Christmas party at my father's office and a lady who was married to one of my father's colleagues, she was a marketing director at a bank and she was a family friend of ours and she was asking me you know what my plans were after i graduated and i literally had no idea and she was like well i've known you you know your whole life i think that you know you know we work you know my company works with this small agency and i think you know they're they're expanding and i think you know your personality would be a great fit for what they're looking for and so um actually through knowing people and just having the right connections and getting a foot in the door and just showing that you know when i when i went into my interview they asked me like so what do you want to do and I gave the complete wrong answer. Um, <laughs> anything, like I, anything. you know, I will learn anything. But I think you know, what, oh, I think, eager beaver over there. Yeah, I think you know what what really did it for him was you know my my you know I was just so willing to learn and just yeah. do yeah. whatever it took to to get a foot in the door. Like I'll go get you guys coffee. I'll take out your drink. I'll do anything. I don't care. <laughs> um, and they just you know so it just kind of fit. So, you know, for me, it was, it was more on the, about connections and uh-huh. just knowing people mm-hmm. and like being open, you know, talking to people and just, you know, being honest. Cause I, I fell into it. I didn't know, you know, I've known about advertising, you know, my degrees in like interpersonal communication. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what, I mean, I just kind of left the door oh, open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and literally, you know, by my first work experience, you know, I learned so many skills. Um, and it was just kind of addicting, um, being in the industry and being in an environment like that. It just kind of took off for sure. Um, I, my, my journey was a little different just cause I, I never interned. I never interned. I've, I've never, I've never held an internship namely because I, I, I just have my, I have my apprehensions about free work. Um, but thanks for all your help, Sam. Oh, thanks. <laughs> But I mean, I was a journalist, so mm-hmm. I was I I was writing, but not in the same space as I am yeah. now. So I think it was a little easier to kind of just like finagle my way 
from journalism to marketing to yeah. now advertising because there was a, a commonality. There was a shared commonality across different industries. Um, so, I mean, to, again, to, do you have to intern? I don't think it's mandatory. Yeah. I know there are agencies out there that prefer people who have had like direct agency experience, whether that's an internship or a full-time position somewhere. Um, but I, I've seen people who have become very successful advertisers without even having one internship under their belt. Mm-hmm. So I think it could go either way. I also feel like there is a huge press on students to intern. Um, I mean, in my college, like you can't graduate unless you've had yeah. an internship. Mm-hmm. Um, because they know that's what gets you a job later yeah. on. So I, we all we all said this. Uh, you don't. Is it a mandatory? No, but. Is it something that I think um, is invaluable and super um, door opening? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we kind of answered that. We so we sort of answered the last question too. How important is a degree versus work experience to excel in my career? I mean, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I think it goes. You know, you know, a degree. A degree tells your employer that you're committed mm-hmm. and that you mm-hmm. can finish something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, work experience. Obviously, you know, you want to hone in on those skills but i don't necessarily think you need any of it really um i mean mean, it helps it helps but i think you know having the you know i think a lot of it also has to do with connections and knowing people yes absolutely Absolutely. finding you know you know right time right place type Mm -hmm. thing so i think and only you can know that so yeah. So yeah, that would be one takeaway for any of the anybody out there listening who's thinking about interning or just trying to break into the business just cultivate the connections that you can in whatever market or area that you intend on working in. Because um, when I moved here, I've been, I've been here for what, two years, a little over two years now. I knew no one from Orlando mm-hmm. at all. And so I was going to those like 530 after work um, yeah. networking, networking events and, you know, knocking on doors, shaking hands and kissing babies kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just what you kind of have to do in lieu of actually bringing some sort of skill to the table. Mm-hmm. So... But with that said, I think we had a really good discussion. Uh, we're going to wrap it up for this episode of pod, uh, podcast of Provoke. <laughs> um, thank you, Sam. And, and thank you, Jordan, for coming in, taking some time to kind of bless the people with the, with the knowledge that they need. Um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to send them to Provoke. That's P-R-O-V-O-K at evokead.com. And follow us on all the social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, Evoke Advertising, uh, to kind of keep up with all of our contributions to the advertising world. Um, no quote today because we kind of gave you guys an extra lengthy one, you know, for missing out for missing out last week. Um, so as we go into the weekend, I just say as I always do, y'all take care. Mm-hmm.